I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Oscars Cheat Sheet miniseries. Why bother having an opinion on this year's Best Picture nominees when you can just use ours? Welcome everybody to the Cole Popcher podcast where we're doing a mini series, an Oscars cheat sheet mini series where uh, if you haven't seen the film, we'll tell you what to think about it. Um, <laughs> though that being said, there are spoilers for these films. So, be, you know, listen to whatever you want to listen to out of the 10 episodes we're doing where we're covering all the Best Picture nominees in these little chunks. And I'm here, my, I'm AJ, and I'm here with Richard, and I'm here with Aaron, our actor slash friend. Um, <laughs> and we're going to be talking about Guillermo del Toro's Nightmare Alley. Evening, gentlemen. Good evening. evening. <laughs> we'll go all gothic and spooky. Yeah. <laughs> right. uh, yes. Nothing spookier than being like evening. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Nightmare Alley. Uh, yeah, it's by. It's a remake of. Well, it's it's the it's second adaptation a of a novel. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So yeah, there was a 1947 film also called Nightmare Alley, a book uh, from 1946. So this um, also. I mean, not also. This is a new podcast. Um, <laughs> this has a an ensemble cast um, starring Bradley Cooper, also Kate Blanchett, who is now the um, because of her appearances in Don't Look Up and Nightmare Alley, she's the first actress in history to have credited roles in nine Best Picture nominees. Oh, good lord! Interesting. Um, yeah, um, Tony Collette, Willem Dafoe, Richard Jenkins, Rudy Mara, Ron Perlman, also in this this uh, after um, Don't Look Up. Mary Steenburgen, um, Tim Blake Nelson, a few others. Yeah, a, a blink and you'll miss it role from Tim Blake Nelson. Yeah, well, if you if you film. stop watching like a minute before the end of the film, you'll you'll miss a it. long blink, a long blink. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Aaron, what's this about? Uh, Nightmare Alley is set in 1940s, kind of circus culture, basically. Uh, we follow Bradley Cooper's character, whose name is uh, Stan. Stan, um, as he <laughs> basically, well, we the opening shot portrays him uh, dragging what looks like potentially a body and then setting fire to it as he walks away. And then uh, he gets on a bus, which takes him to a circus um, where he quickly ingratiates himself with a couple of people there, um, becomes a part of the circus community and is sort of trained in the arts of I guess that's like mysticism or cold like cold reading. Yeah, cold reading, clairvoyance, um, by this old circus uh man who uh eventually dies. I'm not sure if it's clear a hundred percent or not who is responsible or whether the the death is intentional, but it's comes as a result of Bradley Cooper basically giving him alcohol that's um uh, poisonous. Uh, and then wood alcohol instead of uh, yes 
drinking alcohol sugar cane alcohol um and then he also has fallen in love with a person who works at the circus and they run away together fast forward two years later he's uh working in buffalo new york and he's become a successful cold reader clairvoyant person um and then he is approached by Kate Blanchett's character ostensibly to help this uh, Buffalo judge and his wife sort of deal with the death of their son in World War Two. Um, and then eventually that that interaction leads him to uh, being introduced to a sort of citizen Kane type figure who's this ultra wealthy guy who wants to kind of uh, see his dead wife and then... Do we want to and reveal so Kate the Blanchett, end? who is the shrink for all these wealthy types, is like supplying Bradley Cooper with information, inside information from having counseled them, yeah. so that he can be like he can know stuff that he shouldn't know, basically, and convince them of his powers. Do we want to yeah. spoil the end? Spoiler alert! Uh, not, not necessarily. I guess. It, I mean, maybe the we'll talk about the other it. Thing I want to talk about. Okay, Honestly, it doesn't time. go well for him. <laughs> yes, um, so uh, he basically orchestrates this event where the Citizen Kane-type reclusive millionaire is going to see um, his dead wife uh, appear in human form, and the human form is Bradley Cooper's now unhappy uh, partner who Rudy he Martin's ran away with from. Yeah. yeah, who's played by. Um, and uh, the reclusive b- billionaire discovers that actually this isn't his materialized dead wife. It is, in fact, a human person pretending to be his dead wife. He <laughs> freaks out, um, calls out for his bodyguard, freaking out Bradley Cooper's character, beats him to death, and then um, runs away to their car and they're chased by the bodyguard who they like run over very brutally, but also like when I watched it, I was like, God, I'm, fi- I'm so glad someone finally does this, you know, just like, <laughs> just like don't run away from him. Just solve the problem. Kill him now. Yeah. Anyway, they, they brutally run over this guy. Um, Bradley Cooper's character's partner decides she's had enough. She runs away. Um, and he, uh, basically runs to Kate Blanchett's character and she reveals that she's basically been manipulating him into, I guess, kind of murdering or taking her revenge against these high society types. Um, and she basically calls the cops and attempts to frame him. Um, and so he has to run away. Frame him, even though he's absolutely done. Yeah, responsible <laughs> yeah. for himself. Um, I guess, yeah, she wants to uh, get rid of the guilt from herself and like put all of the blame solely on Bradley Cooper's character. Eventually, he manages to run away on a train um, and he Slips resorts to alcoholism and uh, homelessness. It was his dad that he killed at the start in the yep. opening shot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then... He finds a new carnival and is like, look, I can do mentalist stuff. And Tim Blake Nelson, who plays the carny, is like, I've got a geek show if you can do that. And he's like, I'd be perfect for it. And we at the start of the movie, the movie opens. <laughs> it's, it's like telling a joke and you get to the punchline and you go, like, oh, 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 no. Um, yeah, that's the my dad bad, had a dog. Yeah. Um, but so a geek show, um, if you're not aware, is like, it's different from a freak show. Geek show is specifically like, just biting the heads off chickens um and that's the whole well, it's act. swallowing things i think officially in carny culture 
yeah, like and that's a large part. But yeah, anyway, it's it's like the most horrific thing you can you can do. Well, because Willem Dafoe, who is responsible for the geek in the first in the in the circus from mm. the first half of the movie, he explains to Bradley Cooper that you basically pull a drunk off the street and get them to fake being a geek until you guilt trip them or or mm. essentially say like, no, you're not a real geek. We need a real geek. You're fired. And then they go, no, I'll do anything. So it's it's essentially like established early on in the film as like this is true rock bottom yeah and then at the end of the film it sort of dawns on you and then you're like oh my god bradley cooper has gone from the heights mm. of buffalo <laughs> and, to the dregs, and for me the, it was interesting rock bottom so uh, like i, I to, cards on the table i haven't seen pan's labyrinth but i've never been a huge del toro fan but it's like i know i haven't seen his best films sort of thing so take that with a grain of salt but i um and so coming into this, it's like, I really like the idea of uh, Guillermo del Toro and he looks so cuddly. I want to give him a big hug. And I like the idea of his films. I love that Shape of Water won Best Picture. I love that, you know, a film like that was able to win. Um, but I didn't love Shape of Water. And um, so coming into this, Nightmare Alley, it was one of those ones that I was kind of like, it was this year's like Ford v Ferrari, the one that I was like, oh, I can't be fucked watching that. So I hope it, don't, it doesn't get uh, nominated. But then... I had turned down watching it twice because yeah. I was like, I'm not that interested. And then it got nominated. I was like, oh, Christ. <laughs> I could have watched this twice. So <laughs> yeah. sure that it didn't get nominated. It um, get nominated. But then watching it and, it, and again, like when I said, oh, the end is all I want to talk about. It, like I wasn't invested in it until that final scene where he agrees to be a geek. And I was like, of course, this is how you end this movie. Of course, like, this is how you end this movie. And yeah. it was like, for, because because when the film started, I was like, you know, love him or hate him, you got to respect Del Toro's production design because just like the way he composes a shot and just like every single inch of the frame is just like so exquisitely designed and like doing mm. a, a kind of gothic period piece. This is his first film which doesn't have anything supernatural in it. And it's... Um, I mean... It it's pretending to yeah, it's pretending yeah. certainly. <laughs> and, and I and I sort of when I when I started watching, I messaged you a thing I and said like Del Toro is like what would happen if Tim Burton never went got bad. <laughs> like if Tim Burton, rather than being bad, just like really honed his craft. Because you know, like thinking more of his stuff like like when it's not super super stylized like at parts of big fish which obviously a lot of it is stylized but it's something like big eyes um which is you know after he got bad or kind of the film that that uh, was the shift but um yeah like he, he can he pays a lot of attention to his production design and everything like that and so yes like the, the watching it being like this is kind of a tim Burton movie and then with the end when he has the geek show and like I realize it's also like it's a, it's essentially if Tim Burton designed a Martin Scorsese film, and that and wow. having that realization <laughs> made me be like, oh, of course, like this is, and it all clicked into place because it's like there are these other things that I recognize that I like elsewhere, um, because that rise and then the like crashing fall is su- it's like that's all of Scorsese's movies or like he has like quite a few movies that are just like that and and he does it better than anyone else um you know like the likes of like Goodfellas is like the Wolf of Wall Street's like that um and so you're having that realization that it's like no it is this familiar thing that I that I always find so captivating and not sort of realizing that until that final scene when you see just how rock bottom Bradley Cooper is hit 
um, that I was like, oh, fuck, you know, I did like this movie. <laughs> mm, nice. Yeah, I mean, I really like this movie. I, I Again, I like I said, I was not planning on watching it, really. Um, and for some reason, I thought it was reviewed poorly, but it wasn't. Um, and I just had a great time with it. I, I thought that, like, I loved the ending as well, but I had a great time leading up to it. I thought all of the sequences were super interesting. I thought all of the characters were super interesting. I loved, loved, loved Willem Dafoe in this movie. He was great. Um, yeah, I, I had a great time with this. I thought it was awesome. I prob- it's probably... I probably prefer it to Shape of Water. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Is it because of the fish penis in Shape of Water? It's because of the fish. It, well, well, you well, it's, do, not, it's you not so much do... because of the, it's because of the lack of fish penis here. Oh, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, you yeah. see you see Bradley Cooper's penis in this movie for what it's worth. That's and true. He's in water, it's very fishy. So that's, <laughs> yeah. that's that's pretty close to a fish penis. Um, what did you think of the movie, Aaron? Um, yeah, so similar sort of a vibe. Actually, it was maybe one of the ones I wasn't, I didn't know a huge amount about, but I was sort of like, uh, I don't know if I'm gonna like this. But yeah, I really loved it. I would say I've kind of categorized the movies in my mind as like being upper tier, mid tier, and lower tier in terms of like how I felt about them. And I would say this is probably like upper middle tier. I would say. Um, and now that we know about your tier system, where would you put? Don't look up uh lower tier definitely right lower tier definitely um oh, yeah lower tier. sorry lower tier <laughs> lower tier. um what i was gonna say one thing that sort of struck me when you were talking earlier about the fact that kate blanchett has now been nominated for nine times for best oh, she's been in nine best pictures, nine best pictures yeah. yeah um is that it seems unfortunate to me that she's kind of been typecast as like playing a cold bitch in like most of her roles because she's she seems like fucking fun in real life yeah and also like she's an incredible actress so it's just sort of this tragedy of like she's kind of just portrays i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. These roles and you feel like, you know, being an amazing actor, her range is probably like, you know, um, you can't see Big. my hands, really, but it's... <laughs> they're it's, very far apart. They're very far apart. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> the space is enormous. Yeah, but, you know, like, I, I don't know. It just really made me think about the fact that there is very limited opportunities for women and also, like, you know, people of mm. colour, et cetera, et cetera, of, like, being able to portray things other than just, like, this is what they do. We know they do this well. Let's bring in Kate Blanchett. It is really interesting as well because especially, like, like talking about, like, limited roles for women that, like, the kind of, like, oscar roles and, like, and, you know, female roles in this kind of movie, you don't get a lot where it's, like, this is just a lady having a good time and just being, like, a real cool person like like you you don't get um people don't win women don't win awards for performances like brad pitt's and once upon a time in hollywood yeah and they generally aren't movies that are like they love the movie it's like they're performance based movies and often like movies that the person themselves had to be like okay i'll be the producer and we'll get this made Mm. so that you know I wonder, it'd be interesting to go back, and I mean, you might only have to go back to last year, but how many um, 
uh, like how often a best actress or best supporting actress nominee does or like um when it doesn't cry in the film yeah mm. like and I, compare that with the men i know we shouldn't be talking about other movies but uh, it just just because it's come up i felt i was surprised that the lead actress in belfast wasn't nominated for an oscar for best actress obviously i haven't the, seen the mother yeah, yeah obviously i haven't seen a lot of like the actual best actress best actor movies because predominantly comes from like being the ricardos and sort of films that are more about performance rather than like best movie yeah but are, yeah it's an interesting batch this year there's a lot that didn't make best picture yeah i was just surprised because like part of what i loved about her performance wasn't like it had so many shades in it hmm. 50. Um, 50 shades of and it wasn't black and white <laughs> <laughs> it was literally 50 shades of gray but you know like i don't know um but also, speaking of surprises, I was actually a little bit surprised that Bradley Cooper wasn't nominated for Best yeah, Actor no acting for his performance. For and, and I wonder if that, and same with um, uh, Don't Look Up as well. And uh, I wonder, uh, Don't Look Up did quite well at the Golden Globes where they split it into comedy and drama. Um, so obviously it's like the most prestigious comedy film. Um, but then it was yeah, also up, thought, against, um, it was up against musicals, which obviously had West Side Story. Um I probably would have given Richard Jenkins a Best Supporting Actor nomination for, for this film. I thought <laughs> that's the kind of role that you can feel him like gunning for recognition yeah, yeah. for. <laughs> but like, I wonder if, yeah, because, I mean, obviously, you yeah, I guess your leads would be Kate Blanchett and Bradley Cooper would be would fit into those categories. But the supporting cast is like the who you would nominate is stretched kind of thin. Like Willem Dafoe and Richard Jenkins, I think, would probably cancel each other out. And um, and even like Tony Clare, Rudy Mara, like um, that they might have split the vote a little bit. Um, That's so true because that is how the voting works and how nominees are selected. Um, yeah, I think these are all really great points. I think as well, it's also worth noting that Kate Blanchett actually plays in both her 2022 Oscar-nominated movies, um, sort of a sultry homewrecker in mm. both films. So you're yeah, totally she, right, and, Aaron. About don't that look point. up. She plays like. Um, a Kelly Ripper type um, on like the, the bubbly bright um, like morning show sort of thing where mm. uh, they have the scientists on regularly and it's like, all right, well we, you know, we don't talk about the world ending because we want to keep it light. Um, <laughs> that's her sort of character in this, but uh, yeah, no, not, not merely uh, this is this so far. I've still got a couple movies to watch, but I think this was probably my biggest surprise in terms of sure, yeah. how I've actually felt about it. Probably one of the best stories in terms of like gripping you, I guess. And I mean, I guess it's you know a noir and keeping and sort you of guessing a, as well. I yeah, well, like the fact that yeah, like a noir and like the classic, the Scorsesean rise and fall. It's like these are they're all. Uh, like the like story tropes you respond like and story structures mm. you respond. To. Yeah, but I think you probably don't necessarily realize that's what it is mm. until because it also yeah. sort of starts you immediately in. You're not really kind of primed in any way. It's just like you're immediately into the film, so you don't really know what's going on for maybe the first twenty minutes. Mm. You know, it's it's a it- and it, maybe it's it's a film, maybe it's just because I'm stupid, but it's a film where, like, a character literally tells you, this is this world's version of the worst thing that can happen to you. And not once before the final scene did I predict <laughs> that's where our yeah. Shakespearean <laughs> hero yeah. would find himself. <laughs> yeah. And he's also deeply unlikable as well. The, like, some, because, mm. well, maybe not deeply unlikable. He's a horrible person. 
but somehow you were able to like be on his side for two and a half hours and be like, no, no, I don't want this horrible person who murdered his father to like become a geek. No. Yeah, I think because uh, he doesn't talk for uh, for the first twenty minutes, that I was like, I like this guy. <laughs> and that's, all, that's all I needed to I, project my own yeah. personality. He's a me him. kind of a guy. <laughs> I, I got like ten minutes into the film and then was like, Has he spoken yet? Oh, I'm yeah. not being paid off attention. And I googled, Does Bradley Cooper speak in the, um, in Nightmare Alley? What's his first line? Does anyone remember? No, it wasn't even like a big line kind of a thing. Is it when he's talking to the geek and, and you could be right? Yeah, he's got, he's got no beef with him. Yeah. Um, um, I also quite liked uh, AJ's title review. I quite liked the title as well in this one, um, because it. You know, you watch a film called Nightmare Alley, and you're like, "Right, when are we going to get to the night, the Nightmare Alley? Yeah, <laughs> when Where's are we going to get there?" <laughs> the beautiful and, part and- about it is, yeah, he uh, Willem Dafoe sees it like a mm. third of the way through the movie, and you're like, "There it is! He said it! He said the <laughs> yeah. title!" And then yeah. by the end of the movie, you actually understand. Well, that. yeah, because he's asked. Uh, Bradley Cooper asks him where he gets the 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 bums that become geeks from, and he lists off a few like euphemisms for basically the sewers, and one of them is Nightmare Alley. And by the end of the film, gentlemen, we are there. We are in Nightmare Alley. Mm. You know, and we don't it's know how to time. get out. Yeah, and we're a drunk, <laughs> and we've bloody lost our map. Uh, it is also worth mentioning, uh, mentioning, pointing out um, that. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio was originally cast as Stan and Carlisle, but uh, pulled out not for Don't Look Up, I believe. I believe it pulled out for his, um, the one he's making with Scorsese, The Devil in the White City, is it? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, and Bradley Cooper's sort of talked about his, um, you know his because uh, uh, he had said re- after Star is Born he said he didn't want to star in anything that he kills the flower moon not Devil in the White City um, and yeah he said he only wanted to star in things that he had written and Del Toro managed to convince him and so it was like there was all this thing that it's like he'd said this this he only wanted to star in these movies and then also knowing he was the second choice and so it was like saw this thing to overcome but he said by the like as soon as they started shooting the fact that like it was you know considering himself a director he was like uh it was you know able to sort of communicate on that sort of level and apparently they had a really good working relationship but yeah i, th- I think this movie absolutely could have worked with leo um hmm. i think we've seen we've seen him in these sort of roles before so it was i i i'm glad i mean whether he did it whether he dropped out for don't lock up or kills of the flower moon they're both roles we haven't really seen because he's playing the villain in um kills of the flower moon and don't um don't devil in the white city and killers of the flower moon sound like they're part of the same franchise <laughs> i mean they might be i don't know <laughs> no, um, i don't think they are it's just they're very <laughs> they're very idiosyncratic titles yeah and I'm, I'm glad that bradley cooper was able to do a role like this it is weird he's not nominated just because it's a very i mean although it is an ensemble cast it's a very kind of carrying the film on your back yeah sort of role and a film that's nominated for best picture you'd think it was but i I wasn't 
No, actually, I was going to say I wasn't wowed by his performance, but I think I actually was. I remember actually thinking, like, wow. <laughs> yeah, because he all it's one of those roles as well where he plays roles within the movie and often that's something that the academy awards because it shows your ability to like have a layered performance because your character is literally pretending to be because there are moments where i think when he's in buffalo his like stage persona has a slightly different voice to his regular voice yeah and things like that so yeah it uh, yeah i guess you're right it's not a necessarily a like he doesn't have an Oscar scene in the movie yeah. necessarily, but I mean it's probably the final scene of the film, and you can't yeah, show actually, that. Yeah, actually, sorry, I take that back. <laughs> that probably is clearly an Oscar yeah. scene, but it's not that long either necessarily. What yeah, you, yeah. what I guess what we're talking about is like a kind of a moment where you're like, oh my mm. god, Damn, acting. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Bradley Cooper, though, like I mean, I know he's been nominated for a bunch of Oscars and never won, but I, he's, I, I think he's still like underrated as an actor. Yeah. Like he's one that you don't normally you wouldn't list on the same sort of um you know, we're talking about greatest actors of our generation or like currently working. But he he's definitely up there. Like he's Yeah. And weirdly I think like American Sniper is one of his best performances. He's so fucking good in that movie. And I mean obviously Star is born. Um but yeah, I, I hope to see him win an Oscar one day. He's he's overdue for one, I think. Yeah. So what? How likely is Nightmare Alley to win Best Picture, Richard? What do you think? Uh, so according to our odds, uh, it's hundred to one. It's the lowest, um, according to the odds checker. I believe it can do it. The little <laughs> movie that could. <laughs> yeah, I, but I think it is one that people were surprised because yeah, like you said, I, I was under the impression that people were disappointed by this. It's got eighty percent on tomatoes, which you know isn't a perfect metric, but I, I think. It's not a thing as good as people were hoping for. Um, hmm. I when it got nominated, I thought it was like, well, we he won the fucking Oscar last his last movie. Yeah, we can't exactly. not acknowledge him for this uh, one. Yeah, and, but I ended up quite liking it. So, uh, and just uh, on what it's actually nominated for, uh, best picture, best cinematography, best costume design and production design. I would like to say I think it would production design. Depending on mm-hmm. who it's up against, obviously. It's a circus. Of course it'll win. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, other, it's, a, other... it's a period circus. Of course it's winning. <laughs> there is, um, there's kind of like, for the technical awards, there's like two powerhouses going up against each other. And that's Dune and Power of the Dog. Obviously for very different reasons. But um, yeah, production design, Dune, Nightmare Alley, Power of the Dog, Tragedy Macbeth and West Side Story. Um, cinematography, Nightmare Alley's up against Dune, Power of the Dog. Treasure Macbeth and West Side Story. Same nominees. Interesting. Hmm. And um, costume design, uh, it's Cruella, Serrano, June, Nightmare Alley, and West Side Story. It might win that. I wouldn't be surprised if it won that one. Yeah. All right. Well, that was our conversation on Nightmare Alley. Um, and, you know, please please check out our other episodes please. in the Please! <laughs> if they're out or not, who knows? Um, and, uh, yeah, if you like this, please consider liking and following Cold Popshire on Twitter and Instagram. And you can also join our Discord, which there is a link to in the show notes. Or you can chuck us some money, chuck some money our way over at patreon.com slash Popshire or email us at coldpopshiremedia.gmail.com. Tell us why not nightmare alley will win it will win best picture um and yeah and catch us next time for uh we're going to talk about i've decided licorice pizza okay (laughs) 